Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Hallelujah. So, who here is saved? You are sure? You are sure you are saved? You are very sure? There's no shadow of doubt that you are saved? Okay, so who remembers the elements of our salvation? So when you say you are saved, what, what does that mean? What is inside this asoteria package? Justification, redemption, forgiveness of sins, access. Okay, so you are sure and you know. Okay, so which brings us to what I'll be, we will all be talking about today, which, which is Christ our preservative. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're talking about, you know how we know we are saved. You know you're justified. You know you are, your sins are, your sin, your sins are forgiven. You have been redeemed. It's something you know. Now, what brings all of this together is an element of salvation called preservation. Because we can say we are saved and our, sin, our sins have been forgiven, but you're still here. And Christ died, you believed, and you have been plugged into it, but you're still here on earth. And without the element of preservation, if for spoil, you would have spoiled it. It's not hard. I mean, Esau was hungry and he sold off his birthright. You would have done something with yours. Now, what gives us the hope and assurance that we are eternally secured is the element of salvation called preservation. Amen? Now, the Hebrew word for preservation is shama, and the Greek word is stereo. And they both mean the same thing. They mean to maintain freshness. You did get that shama for Hebrew and terio for Greek. It means to preserve, to maintain freshness, to keep, to guard. Let's look at Psalm 97 verse 10. Preservation, shama in Hebrew and terio in Greek. It means to maintain freshness, to keep, to guard. 97 verse 10. Are we there? You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. He preserves the soul of his saints. That word there is shama, to preserve, to keep. Let's look at that in NLT. You who love the Lord hate evil. He protects the lives of his godly people and rescues them from the power of the wicked. Let's look at, let's see First Thessalonians 5 verse 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you're being preserved. And you're being preserved blameless. 
So he's keeping you and he's keeping you blameless. Because it will not make sense for him to keep us and keep us with blame. It will not make sense for him to preserve you and preserve you with fault. It's like preserving spoiled cake. Why are you preserving spoiled cake? Because he cannot justify you and then condemn you. It's a legal wrong. To be justified, to be justified means that justification, it means that you have been declared blameless and righteous. Justification is two-sided, it's two-fold. Our, the evidence of our sin was glaring. Nobody could deny it. You, there was enough evidence stacked against you that see this thing, you did it. You couldn't argue it. Nobody could argue for you that mm, it may not have been you. The TV cuts your face doing it. Now, what God did, what Jesus did, to be justified means that a judge came in and said, I know what I see, but I'm predetermined to, to acquit and dismiss this one. And not only did he do that, what he now did was, yes, you have been acquitted, yes, you have been, you are, you are free to go, but it would have been unfair for, let's say you killed somebody, somebody died. So not only were you declared um, innocent and acquitted of all charges, what happened was that somebody else took on the punishment. So justification is not complete until Christ took it on. Because it would have been unfair. The, the devil could have come and said, eh, but it's not fair. You were using your godness to bully me. To acquit this one just because you can. Just because you can. But God didn't do that. What did he do? He took on our sins. Christ became the scapegoat for you and I. So that nobody can come and blame me for that again. So when... Paul tells us in First Thessalonians that you have been preserved blameless. You have been preserved without any wrong found in you. Yes, you have been preserved blameless. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at Jude 1 verse 1. Hallelujah. We have been preserved blameless. Amen. There's no fault found in me. Because it would have made no sense. Think about it. For him to preserve me, and then at the end of the day, he's saying, when he's driven me to God, he's saying, yeah, but you did something wrong. Yeah. Uh, yes, so I preserved you, but you're still going to take on the blame for so and so that you did. Why bother preserving me? I shall just spot and finish sins. So we have been preserved blameless. Jude 1 verse 1. Jude, a born servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, and preserved in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is, not only are we preserved in him, he's the one doing the preservation. Not only is he the one doing the preservation, he's the container in which we are being preserved. Not only is it the container in which we are being preserved, we are being preserved for him. So he preserves us. It is in him that we are being preserved. What an assurance. We are being preserved in him. By him. For him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we come to the crux of the matter, which is, 
what is the quality of this preservation? What is the quality of this preservative? Christ is our preservative. What is the quality of this preservative? Now, to know the quality of, the quality of the preservative is determined by the cost of the product. Such that you will not preserve cupcake of 1,000. It's a complete waste of money. Why should I preserve cupcake of 1,000 era? But if you give David 300K to do cake for you, you will preserve it. So now you understand that the quality of the preservative is determined by the cost of the product. So you will not give David 200,000 to bake cake for you and tell him, he tells you, okay, we need to preserve it. No, 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 no. Your cake will spoil. And if, do you understand? Your cake will spoil. So the quality of the preservative is determined by the cost of the product. The cost of the product is determined by the quality of the ingredients. The cost of the, of the product is determined by the quality of the ingredients. Now, to know the, to know the cost of the product, you begin to look at the nature of the ingredients. We understand that salvation is a gift from God. Who saved you? Who saved you? Now, look at the ingredients of your salvation. What are they? Justification, redemption, forgiveness of sin, reconciliation. So to know the quality of the ingredients of your salvation, we have to look at the nature of God. Do you get that? We have to look at the nature of God. So let's look at some scriptures. Exodus 3 verse 14. That will show us the nature of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Whatever God does shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. Whatever God does is forever. Are you beginning to see the nature of the ingredients of your salvation? That whatever God does is forever. Nothing can be taken. Nothing can be added. Because immediately you begin to add something to it. It's not from God anymore. Once you begin to add or take from it, you have altered the nature of that thing. Amen? Let's look at Psalm 89 verse 2. Psalm 89 verse 2. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. Forever, we see it there. That mercy shall be built up forever. Amen? Amen. Let's look at Psalm 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. His mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. Let's look at Lamentations 3, verse 22 to 23. Through the the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do you not understand why we sing that song? They are new. His compassions fail not. 
they are new every morning. What God does cannot fail. What God does cannot fail. If he fails, we are in our right to say it is not of God. If he fails, we can stand and say, no, that is not God. What God does is forever. What God does is forever. His compassions fail not. They are everlasting. Are you now seeing the nature of the ingredients of your salvation? What God does is forever. He cannot fail. So that's how, like wisdom taught last week, to discern the voice. Of That's how you begin to know. No, if it is of God, it stands. If it's of God, it cannot fail. If it's of God, it cannot fail. It cannot fail. It cannot fail. Has he justified us and gone back on his word? Has he given you eternal life and taken it back? That's not his nature. That's not his nature. As he said, you've been justified and then, then a portion blamed to you. Once you begin to feel guilt about something, but he swapped it. That's not my God. That's not my God. And I can stand on the strength of scripture and say, that's not my God. He is not man that he would lie nor repent. That's not my God. That's not my God. Let's look at, we have more scriptures. Let's look at Isaiah 40 verse 8. Isaiah 40 verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The word, everything else may fail. Everything else, in fact, it will fail. But the word of our God stands forever. The word of our God stands forever. First Peter 1 verse 25. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. That the word of God endures forever. Now, you begin to see the ingredients of your salvation and its nature. Because we know that salvation is a gift from God. We know that it was God that gave it to us. And there was nothing that we did. Because once you introduce an element or your work or something that you did and add to it, it's not of God. We have seen it. It cannot be from, we cannot add or remove. Amen? Amen. Let's look at James 1 verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The Greek word for variation there is paralagi. That is, there is no fickleness with God. God is like this. God, doesn't, God is not fickle. God is not um, unpredictable, which again should speak to your nature as a son of God. You cannot be fickle. You cannot be unstable, son of God. We cannot not know where you stand. We cannot not know who you are. We cannot not be, we, can, we can't be unsure of you, son of God, because your father, in him, there's no variation or shadow of turning. So this should be, 
This should inform your character as a son of God. Because you cannot say you have the nature of God and there's variation in you. Like Papa taught us several times, your salvation, eh, is between you and God. I don't know whether you're saved or not. You've told me you're saved. I asked when we started. I've agreed with you. I will not doubt it. It's not me that saved you. It's God that saved you. Now, how do I know you have the nature of God in you? It's by your fruits. It's by your character. Once you are like this, once I cannot see the fruits of the Spirit of God in you, oh, I am well within my right to question whether you are a believer or not. Because how do we know that you are a believer? By the Spirit of God in you. How do we know you have the Spirit of God in you? By the fruit of the Spirit. That's how we know. Now, if I don't see it in you, so therefore, so therefore, I can conclude that you are not a believer. And it's not me being emotional or being sentimental. It's facts. So, son of God, there's no variation in sons of God. You are not fickle. You are not unstable. Today you are smiling. Tomorrow you are in a mood. Today you walk in here, you are excited. The whole room was so happy to see you. Tomorrow you are, you are, in, you are carrying a face. What's wrong with you? Nothing. No, but there's something wrong with you. No, let the, no, let's honest. Let the, there's something wrong with you. There's some, something has to be wrong with you for you to keep your face like that. There's no variation. There's no variableness in God. God is not a paralagi God. He's not, he's not like this. He's like this. God is like this. He has said it. And we can hold him to it. There's no doubt in God. There's no shaking in God. God is not, um, today is happy with you, so he gives you what you ask him for. Tomorrow you annoy him and offend him. He's not your African father or your African mother. We cannot attribute the characters. We cannot say, because my father disowned me, or because my mother was in the mood and I couldn't go to her to ask. That's not who God is. That's not who God is. And now that we have seen the nature of God, now that we have seen the nature of the ingredients of our salvation, now that we know that our, self, our justification is forever, now you know that your sanctification is forever. You're, you've been sanctified. You're being sanctified. You will be. Now that you, you've seen that, God has forgiven my sin. He cannot change his mind. Which is why so many people are afraid to believe in God. We tell them that God loves you. They know, let me finish flexing. Let me finish. Um, because I know that if I come now and I don't give in church, devour us to come after me. We are painting God as if God is, there's a cage, a training school for devourers, such that when you enter the kingdom of God and you don't give. But when I was not in the kingdom of God, my money was safe. So why should I choose that kind of kingdom that releases devourers after me because I don't give? 
when I could spend anyhow I wanted to when I was not in the kingdom of God. When I could use my money and do anything, when I could go anywhere, nothing would happen to me. Why should I choose that kind of God? That's not my God. There's no variableness in God. God is not happy today and angry tomorrow. And son of God, you can't be that way too. We should be able to rely on you. Simply because you are a son of God. Not because things aren't happening to you. But what is your focal point? Is that I'm a son of God. So everything that happens to me comes, meets me as a son of God. And I'm conscious of my position as a son of God. I am conscious of what being a son calls me into. I am conscious of my sonship. I am conscious that not only am I benefiting from being a son of God, but I'm responsible. And responsibility calls me into consciousness. That even if I'm hungry, it doesn't mean the whole it should be on my face. So that today I know that you're hungry simply by looking at your face. I know that today somebody annoyed you. Because you just walked in and just zoomed straight to the back. Not in the mood. But that's not who our God is. And if you have the nature of God, you begin to exhibit it. We begin to see it in you. You are constant in and out of season. We can trust your emotions. Because they're the emotions of Jesus. We can trust your emotions. I know that even if someone annoys you, not because you're not justified in responding, but you're conscious. Now, no, now, this is not how Jesus responded. Amen. Amen. Now that we have seen the nature of God, now that we have seen the nature of the ingredients of our salvation, then we know that all of it is forever. We know that all of it is eternal. We know that it can't be taken from us. We know that we are being preserved in all that salvation calls us into. Not some of it. All of it. Now that we understand that, let's move on to knowing how Christ is our preservative. Now, there was a lot that was hinged on or staked on the death and resurrection of Jesus. There was a lot of it. There was a lot on it. Such that you understand that when God gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for you and that it cost him everything, we know that Christ is the logos of God. Christ is all that God is. Christ is the embodiment of God. All God's power, God's everything is Christ. So everything, so much, everything was staked on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, such that if Jesus had seen the kid, it would have been a problem. Do you understand? If his body, because you can't preserve your body, it's my soul you want to preserve. So if his body had seen the kid, <laughs> we should be afraid. Think about it. Um, Lazarus died four days after and he was already smelling. Which means that the third day I said the king. And it was on the third day that Jesus resurrected. So, if Jesus' body had seen any form of decay, any form of decay, 
we would have been in trouble. We would have been in trouble. It had been prophesied that his body will not see decay. Let's look at some scriptures. Let's look at Psalm 16 verse 10. Psalm 16 verse 10. For you will not leave my soul in show, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Let's see Acts 13 verse 34 to 37. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his congregation, his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. He whom God raised up saw no corruption. It would have been a problem if Jesus' body had seen decay. We would have been in a, he would have been in trouble because our salvation is predicated on his ability to preserve us. And if he cannot preserve himself, it's not my soul he can preserve. If he could not preserve himself, it's not me. And we know that he's the token by which we say that if God did it with him, he can do it with us. As with Jesus, so with me. That is all our faith is predicated on. That see, I did it with him. So you can be assured that I will do it with you. You can go to sleep. My assurance is if he could raise Jesus from the dead, oh, he can raise me from the dead. If Jesus, if Jesus could preserve himself, ah, my own is not a problem. I don't need any other example. I am fine knowing that if Jesus could preserve himself and he did not see decay, his body did not see decay, I cannot see decay. My salvation cannot spoil. My own, it cannot spoil. Amen. Let's look at one last scripture, Acts 2, verse 29 to 31. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. This was so that you will not think that that scripture was talking about David. Though. Let me tell you first, first that David died, and we know where his tomb is, and his body has seen decay. It's not David that was being talked about. It was Jesus. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ. So that there is no, we're not, not sure, there's no confusion. He was talking about Christ, not David. 
He was talking, David had seen corruption. We know where his tomb is. No, we're, we're speaking concerning the resurrection of the Christ. That his soul was not left in Hades. Nor did his flesh see corruption. Now, did not embalm Jesus' body. So you will not think that because he was embalmed, that's why his body did not see corruption. When Mary went, Mary Magdalene went to embalm his body on the third day. And the angel asked him, what? Thou searchest for the living. Because he had reason. See, the birth of Jesus, when Jesus was born, the um, wise men brought gifts. Gold, frankincense, mare. You remember it? Now, frankincense and mare were used in ancient Israel, Jerusalem, to embalm people. It was, a prof- it was a prophetic symbolism of the preservative element of this son that has been born. Yes. When Jesus died, Mary took Mary to go and preserve his body. Because think about it. On the fourth day when Jesus went to Lazarus, he was already smelling. So by the third day, it means that, count back, he decayed third by the third day. So that on the fourth day, he was already smelling. So Mary knew that if I don't go this third day, by the, you know, go tell, he will start, he will start to decay. She went. But when she went, she didn't see anybody. She didn't see anybody to preserve. So that you will not say now that, now we preserve Jesus, so not be you preserve Jesus. He preserved himself. And as with Jesus, so with us. Oh, that is my assurance that if he could preserve himself, I can be preserved. And if he says he's preserving me blameless unto the day of salvation, I can be assured. Because there's no variableness in God. There's no shadow of turning with God. God is no man that he should repent. He has said it, he has done it. He has said it, he has done it. Jesus was not embalmed. So you will not say, just maybe what we did contributed. Hey, no, we know he is God. He can. But we too, we, we added our smart, you know. You can't, because when you went, you didn't even see a body. You just saw an angel telling you, what are you looking for here? Are you looking for the living? He didn't say, are you looking for a body? Are you looking for the living? Are you looking for the living? Because my Jesus had risen. Are you looking 
living for the living among the dead. Do you see that? I know that you're looking for a body. Or what are you looking for? No, are you looking for the living among the dead? Because he was risen already. Because he was risen already. Let's look at Romans 8 verse 11. Romans 8 verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It was by his spirit. It was by a deposit of life in Christ. It was that there was an element of God in Jesus that God called to. When he said, come, Jesus came. It was because of the deposit of his spirit in the body of Jesus that responded to God calling. Such that, see, there is no situation or son of God, no matter how much you have fallen away as a believer, you, how are you a believer? Because you have the deposit. Of, you have the spirit in you. His spirit in you. So such, no matter how far you go, no matter how far you fall, it is his spirit that when God calls, his spirit responds. There is nowhere you can go. There is nowhere you can run. His spirit is in you. His spirit is in you. So that when God says, come, Jesus came. Because it was spirit that was responding to spirit. And that is our assurance. That is why he has sealed us with his spirit. You go nowhere. This is, this is the proper one chance. See, you enter one chance. Because after you believe, you are going nowhere. So, it's not an excuse, though. But no matter how far you fall, no matter how far you run, his spirit, his spirit is in you. You're going nowhere, son of God. And that is my assurance. And that is my confidence. And that is my hope. And that is my hope. That is my hope. That is my hope. That there's no shadow he won't light up. There's no door he won't kick down. Come 
coming after me. Because the honest truth is coming after himself. He's coming after himself. That is why God will not mol- God will not molest himself. God will not throw himself away. He's coming after himself. That he put in me. It's like a tracker. Be going. I know where you are. Like it's hey. Wherever you go, I will find you. Because he has put himself in you. And God will not abandon himself. So this is not even about you. This is not even about you. That's why he sealed himself to you. He has has bound himself to you. He has said, see you. (laughs) You are not going anywhere. You see you. You are stuck with me. I am stuck with you. By his spirit. Let's look at Romans 8 verse 11 again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But if the spirit of him, the key word there is him. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he, if the spirit of him who, dwe- who raised Jesus from the dead, he, he, who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. It is by his spirit that he raised Christ from the dead. See, Jesus Christ died though. He did not faint. He was not in a coma. What he did was he died. Let's look at John 19. John 19 verse 32 to 33. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, (laughs) he was already dead because he had said nobody will take my life I lay it I'm saying this so you understand that Jesus was dead Jesus physically died then you who are still alive and you have the spirit of God there's nothing that the spirit of God in you cannot do if the spirit of God in a dead Jesus could raise him from the dead in you, son of God, stretch your imagination and stretch it some more. Jesus had died. So, in the lowest, most deadest times and points in your life, there is an eternal deposit in you 
that is guaranteed to always respond to God. In the lowest, most deadest times and points of your life, there is an eternal deposit of God in you that is guaranteed to always respond to God. Always. Always respond to God. Always respond to God. So see Jesus. Jesus died. We are sure that Jesus died. There's an account, I think it's in John, that says that even when the soldiers mixed mere, we talked about Mary in the birth of Jesus, and they gave to him, he rejected it. I said, I was like, ah, ah. So that you will not say that they drink deep who gave him that mixed mare. So Jesus was dead. Jesus died. And by the spirit of God in him, he was, he was resurrected. Jesus killed himself because nobody killed Jesus. Jesus killed himself. By the spirit of God, he quickened himself. Resurrected himself. <laughs> Came back in a glorified body. Jesus did all of that by himself. He can preserve you. Jesus can preserve you. Because, see, he cannot go to God and tell God that I lost precious. How? If you could preserve, God will ask, if you could preserve yourself. Because, see, the truth is, eh, when a cake is being baked, when they're baking, when David's baking a cake, and the client has paid him so much money for the cake, until he has delivered that cake to the client, his work is not done. And Jesus has not delivered us yet. Our day of presentation has not yet come. And even Jesus himself does not know. Because it's only the Father that knows. Even Jesus himself does not know. So until the day of delivery comes, all that God, Jesus is doing, is preserving. He's preserving. He's making intercession for you. With the Father, he's preserving you. He whatever needs to be done, if they need to buy a whole walk-in freezer to preserve you, he will buy it. Whatever, whatever he needs, if they have to carry boats and deliver this cake, see, God's reputation is at stake. It is for his name's sake that he's doing all he's doing. It is for his name's sake that he's doing all he's doing. I, even I, will blot out your transgression for my name's sake. So that, in case you are doing anyhow, see, it is for his name's sake. His reputation is at stake. His integrity is at stake. Oh, he's delivering you blameless to God. Let's look at Psalm 23 verse 3. Hallelujah. Psalm 23 verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So see, you are too small. See you. There's nothing you will do because it's not your integrity that's at stake. 
Because there's how I am in front of the president and somebody is and flies doing me like this. I will keep quiet. I'll maintain. There's something I want. And so it's not <laughs> there's how inspectors were annoying me. I will not answer. <laughs> I, I will be no 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 no. For my own reputation. There's how you do a delivery for somebody and it was their fault that you got there late. And they will shout and say, we'll call you out on Instagram. I'll offer you free delivery. Not because of them. But my business reputation is at stake. So all that God is doing, all that God is doing, it is for his name's sake. For his name's sake. You see us. <laughs> That's why he caught the corner with himself. Oh. <laughs> that was why. <laughs> because you see us. You see us. <laughs> For his name's sake. Let's look at Psalm 79 verse 9. Help us, O God of our salvation. For the glory of your name. And deliver us and provide atonement for our sins. For your name's sake. Can we see this in NLT, please? Help us, O God, of our salvation. Help us for the glory of your name. Save us and forgive our sins for the honor of your name. For his name's sake. So that after Jesus has killed himself, quickened himself by his spirit, resurrected himself, he now comes to you and now says, because I could, my, my body did not see decay. My body did not see corruption. I could, I could preserve myself. I could raise myself. You are eternally preserved. You are eternally preserved. Because all that was done on the cross for you, healing, prosperity, safety, security, rescue, you are eternally preserved. So how do we show gratitude to God? Oh, we begin to use it. See, you begin to take advantage of it. Because, see, salvation in itself was man taking advantage of God. Think about it. Who was the offended one? Who was the one that we annoyed? That we sinned against? Who was the price we paid to? (laughs) Now, who did the price pay? What did you do? So was that not us taking advantage and then now you refuse to enjoy all that is being preserved for you. Because your salvation is being preserved. Do you understand? Nothing spoil. I cannot spoil. Because if I can spoil, Jesus has to answer. If I spoil, it's not on me. Because he said in John 6, 39, none shall I lose. Because even on the day of delivery, he cannot give God cake. There's a problem. 
if on the day of delivery, a price was, a cake was paid for, he paid for you, he paid for me. Time for delivery, Jesus now saying, hmm, see, eh, precious was too much for me. If you were inside precious, you'd have seen the tension inside precious. Because you go just go and enter precious and see for yourself. I could not do it, it was too much. See, Jesus will have to undo the cross. He has to unkill himself. Go back to that conference meeting. And now, the way they, where they said, who shall we send? And say, I cannot go. Because you did not do the work you said you were going to do. What will he tell God happened to Minika? What will he tell God happened to Kendi? That he could not preserve us? That after everything that was done on the cross, the, the cost to God, that God shed his own blood. That God shed his own blood. And after the price that was paid, you're saying that after all I did, that was for waste. Because all that brings salvation together is our preservation. That after all that he did, while we are here, he's going to preserve us. Because our salvation is not done. And there is no part we have to play. Because salvation is a free gift of God. It's not by our works. Imagine, just imagine a cake preserving itself. It's a, it's a misnomer. Like, it's it's impossible. It can't happen. So before you even engage in some conversations, you have to begin to ask, can cake preserve itself? Can I preserve myself? Salvation is a gift from God. Even the believing that we believe. Such that there's nothing that we did. There's nothing you could do. Because once you begin to mix it, it's no longer of God. The ingredient has changed. The nature of the ingredient has started changing. It's no longer of God. Salvation is not by our works. Let's look at a few scriptures on that. Ephesians 2 verse 89. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. The word works there, the Greek, work is, the Greek word is ergon. It means accomplishment by hand. It's not bad, though. It's not a bad word. It just means, like, you used your hand by your efforts, by your hustle, that you did it. Not of works, not of your efforts, not by your hand, lest anyone should boast. So even the believing that you believed, that when they asked Jesus in John 6, 28, and he said, believe, even that believe, was not yours. Because, let's think about it for a, a brief moment. You were a sinner. With your sinful nature just going. And they said there's this thing called salvation. That is supposed to save you. 
what were you going to use and receive it? There was, there was not, because of how you were, that was why the price was paid. Because there was nothing in you that could be used. So is it that same reason that the price was paid? Because there was nothing found in you. Such that now it's time to receive salvation and there will be something in you that you would use to receive it. So even that faith that you used to receive grace that saved you, that faith is of God. Not your works. Salvation is an exclusive act of God without the participation of man. There was nothing you did. There was nothing you could do. That's why Christ is your preservative. He did not save you and then hand you over to yourself to keep. He did not save you and say, I finished my work, you take over. Because if there was anything you could do, there was no need for Jesus to die. Let's have an honest conversation. If there was anything that I could do to save myself, let's look at even in the times of the Israelites. There was nothing they could do. There was nothing they could do to save themselves. So there's nothing you can do to keep yourself. Christ is our preservative. And I, Minika, I am eternally preserved. There's no variableness in God. There's no variableness in God that he will change his mind and say, I'm done preserving you. You were too much work for me. You are not too much for God. You are not too much for God. You have not even started using all that Christ paid from the cross for you. And the best way to show that you are thankful for all that he did for you on the cross is to use him. The Holy Spirit is just the use me. He's your advantage, son of God. You can't live a mediocre life. Walk like someone that has... Do you know that preservation implies a fortress? The meaning, Shama and Terio, implies that you are in a fortress. Your superior living is on earth. You are in a fortress. Christ is not just your preservative. He's the container in which you are being preserved. So you are in Christ. Your salvation came with safety. Your salvation came with security. Your salvation came with rescue. Your salvation, son of God, came with prosperity. What are you doing with all that Christ has paid for on the cross for you? What are you doing with everything that was paid for on the cross? So from today, if you haven't already, we begin to take advantage. From today, because now you understand what preservation means. You understand how Christ is your preservative. You understand how you are being preserved. No, you no longer live a second class life. Because there's a hope you walk with. There's this confidence you walk with. Ah, I am eternally preserved. Nothing do me. You see me. <laughs> Nothing do me. 
Let's look at John 10, verse 28 to 29. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. You know how in Romans 8.30 it says that those who he predestined, he called. Those who he called, he justified. Those who he justified, he glorified. We're enjoying glory now, no? But the glory that is coming, <laughs> the glory that is coming, because see, when Jesus died, he's not the same Jesus that died that arose. When Jesus died, the Jesus that died, when he healed people, he would tell them, don't tell anybody. <laughs> this one, he was healing people. He was walking through doors. He was, he was eating fish that they did not, they did not um, get from the sea. Because when they got to, I think that's in John, when they got to the seaside, there was no fish. So all of them went in to go and fish. By the time they came out with fish, Jesus was already roasting fish. <laughs> Jesus was already, there was fish and bread already. Because the Jesus that rose was not the Jesus that died. He was walking through closed doors. Twice the doors were shut. It was, see, they showed the door was shut. They were telling you that, see, that, that door was not open. No? But next thing they saw Jesus in their midst. The Jesus that rose, that died. <laughs> It's not the Jesus that rose. The glorification that is awaiting you, son of God. We are in glory. Oh. This one, we are enjoying it. But which is the joy of our salvation? Which is the hope of our salvation? Our incoming salvation. That by the time we resurrect, like Jesus did. Because he cannot lose me. He has preserved himself. He is risen. He quickened himself. <laughs> he resurrected with a glorified body. That is how I'm going to be. That is how I am going to be. When I resurrect too. Because Jesus is a token. Jesus is, <laughs> if I've resurrected him, you, I will resurrect. You, I can resurrect. Yes. You, I can preserve. Yes. You are safe in God. Because it's an ongoing, preservation is ongoing. Such that you will not mess up now and he throws you out. Because the product was, was bigger than the preservative. So that cake overpowered the, now Christ was not just preservative, Christ was the baker. So how would you, so all that you are, all your mess, all your, all your mess is not too much for God. I am eternally preserved. I am eternally preserved. I cannot be lost. I cannot be lost. Son of God, you cannot be lost. You are not too much for God. You are not too much for God. Salvation did not require your participation. 
your preservation will not require it. So let this inform your superior living on earth. You are a free man. You are, there is, there's how you are just living, knowing that somebody's doing the work. If somebody did the work, someone is doing the work, there's nothing I have to do. All he's telling me to do is enjoy. All he's telling me to do is, hey, take a, do you not know what I've done for you? Take advantage of me. Do you not know all that I've paid for for you? Do you not know what that calls you into? Do you not know? See, like there's, there's nothing wrong with a son of God being stupendously rich. And this consciousness comes from knowing that. See what happened on the cross. See what he brought me into. It's not because I'm too good. It's not because I'm too wise. It's not because of me. It's because of him. It's because of what he did on the cross. I can enjoy all that Christ paid for. And I begin to enjoy it. Let's begin to pray. I begin to enjoy it. Preservation is not a... Lacunda, zi and de lacunda. We are conscious of it. Lacunda, zeim and dojali. Oh, we thank you, God, for... We thank you, God, for all you did for us on the cross. Lacunda, zeim and dojali, kazundele. Radeza, lima, dojale, kazunda. Lacunda, zeim and dojali, kazundele. Radeza, lima, dojali, kazundele. Oh, Jaleke Zunda, Laconda, Kondaha, Radoja Lima, Deza Lika Zundele, Radeza Leke Zunda, Ladoze. Oh, we thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We're no longer mediocres. We're no longer mediocres. We take advantage of all that was paid for. We are conscious that we're eternally preserved. Laconda Zema, Doja Lika Zunde, Radeza Lima, Doza Leke Zundele, Radoja Lima, Doja. Oh, we are conscious of the possibility. We are possibility conscious, God. Lakonda Zimandoja Lake Sundele, Lakonda Zimandoja Lika Zendehe, Radoza Limandoja Nakoska, Lakenda Zimandoza Lika Sundele, Rakonda Zimandoza. We begin to take our place, God. Lakenda Zimandoza Lake Sundele, Radoza Limandoja. Janda Kazunda, Radonja Lake Zonda Lima and Lake Zundi. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Who's let's pray in understanding? Thank you for strengthening us, God. Thank you for equipping us, God, for ministry. Thank you, God, for, for showing us ourselves in you. We thank you, God. We are grateful. And we are not just going to hear this word. We are running with this word. This word is going to be productive in our lives. This word is going to bring forth much fruit. This word is not going to be dormant in our lives. All that we've heard, Lord, we deliberately and consciously put it into practice. We thank you, God, for your word that has come forth. We thank you, God, for your word that has come forth. We thank you because your word is going forth to bring forth a lot of fruit. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We are grateful. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We are eternally preserved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise. Woo! 
Hallelujah. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.